The Bible reading is John chapter 12, verses 20 to 33. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Those who love their life will lose it, while those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it's for, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I thought I'd start by showing you an image of a plaque, which quotes a few words from the beginning of our gospel reading today from the King James Version of the Bible. Some Greeks came to Philip with a request, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Plaques like this were often to be found on display in pulpits during the 20th century. They served as a reminder to the preacher that their chief purpose is to proclaim the good news of Jesus' love and the salvation he offers to all by his death on the cross and glorious resurrection. Times have changed and we don't even have a pulpit here but the message is still the same and always will be. These few words spoken by some non-Jewish outsiders who had come to seek God and worship him became famous around the world and have been echoed by many down the centuries. Sir, we would see Jesus. However, we have no idea what happened next. We are left hanging. Perhaps the gospel writer wants us to focus our attention not on these particular characters, but on the bigger picture. This group of non-Jewish people asking to see Jesus is indicative of the need of the entire human race to see Jesus and to recognise him as Lord and Saviour. 
how will they be able to do that? Jesus knows that can only be made possible by his sacrificial death and glorious resurrection. So he responds by saying that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Next slide, please. Thank you. What a statement. And it would have caused great excitement amongst those crowding around Jesus. However, they would have been envisaging a completely different path to glory than the one Jesus knew was awaiting him. In his commentary on the Gospel of John, William Barclay writes this about today's reading. There is hardly any passage in the New Testament which would come with such a shock to those who heard it for the first time as this. He explains that the Jews had been dreaming for a long time of the one who was going to come to bring them victory over all their enemies. One like a son of man, described in the book of Daniel. And that there were books around in the time between the Old and New Testaments about how this new glorious age for the Jewish nation would come about. Barclay writes, One of these books was specially influential, the book of Enoch. And repeatedly, the book of Enoch speaks about that son of man. In Enoch, the son of man is a tremendous figure who, as it were, is being held in leash by God. But the day will come when God will release that son of man and he will come with a divine and superhuman power against which no man and no kingdom can stand and smash the way to world empire for the Jews. To the Jews, the Son of Man stood for the undefeatable world conqueror sent by God. So when those listening to Jesus' words heard him proclaim, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, their spirits would have soared as they hoped that all their dreams were about to be fulfilled. After all, they had witnessed the power of Jesus at work in so many ways already. What could stop him? But the very next words Jesus spoke would have brought them right back down to earth and left them reeling as he immediately started speaking of his impending death, saying, Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That was the last thing they would have expected Jesus to say. How could he be the all-conquering king if he was about to die? It must have been impossible for them to make sense of it all. And we can see how they started questioning Jesus about it in the verse after the one where our reading ended today. In verse 34 it says, The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. 
So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Obviously not the Son of Man that they'd been waiting and longing for all this time. Surely Jesus was mistaken, they must have thought. Even despite having just heard the thunder of the voice of God affirming Jesus' words to them. If only they could have seen that God's vision for the triumphant Son of Man was not to be confined to an earthly victory over the forces of military might, but was to be a supernatural victory over the forces of evil and even death itself. Then they may have begun to understand why Jesus taught that the Son of Man needed to walk the way of the cross in order to gain that eternal victory and bring freedom to people of every nation, Jews and Greeks alike. Even after Jesus' resurrection, it was still very hard for people to understand and believe that he is the Messiah that the scriptures foretold would come. We remember the story of how the risen Jesus met with two of his confused disciples on the road to Emmaus, specifically to spend time showing them what is said in the books of the law and the prophets about how the Messiah had to suffer and die before entering his glory. I wonder if Jesus chose to use the words of the Old Testament reading assigned for today, which is from the prophet Jeremiah chapter 31. Verses 31 to 34. If you'd like to look it up, then it can be found on page 751 in the Church Bibles and page number 1227 in the large print version. In fact, today's Old Testament reading is so important that it is rewritten in full in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, if you'd like to study more later. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbours or say to one another, Know the Lord. Because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Whenever we share Holy Communion together, we hear the words of consecration when we recall how on the night before Jesus died, he took the cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you and for many 
for the forgiveness of sins. By Jesus' sacrificial death and glorious resurrection, he has won complete victory over all evil and brought into being the new eternal covenant between God and his people. Our God is a God of covenant relationship. We see that with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, with David, and ultimately with Jesus. How much our Father God longs for deep and lasting intimacy with his people. Even when we fail and let him down, his love for us remains strong and steadfast, utterly dependable. God refuses to give up on us, continuing to reach out, despite the immeasurable cost to himself. Have you noticed how many times God says the phrase, I will, in this short passage from Jeremiah? I will make a new covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. God's new covenant with his people can never be broken or become obsolete as it is not dependent on our ability to keep commandments. It is founded on the unfailing love and everlasting mercy of our God. I will, I will, I will, says the Lord. Our Father God is determined to make a way for his people to be with him. And when we cannot make it in our own strength, he comes as both Son of God and Son of Man to carry us home. Jesus knows that by taking the way of the cross, he is fulfilling all that was planned long ago and that has been continually held in the Father's heart to make a way for people of every nation, no matter who they are or what they have done, to receive salvation and new life. Jesus is calling us into a covenant relationship with him. If we turn back to our gospel reading in John chapter 12, we read that after Jesus starts to explain that he will lay down his life in obedience to the Father, he says in verse 26, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Jesus is calling each of us to follow him by submitting to the Father's will for our lives so that we can be with him and serve him. Again, we find that Jesus is turning the ways of the world upside down. Self-sacrifice is the way to eternal life. 
Submission is the road to freedom. And service is the path to glory. It is a huge challenge. And we can see in verse 27 that Jesus himself was troubled by all that lay before him. He wrestled with the natural human desire to escape pain and death. And yet he resolutely continued along the path to which he knew he was called. Self-sacrifice may go against all our natural inclinations. But if we take God at his word, then we will discover that rather than losing out, we end up gaining far more than we could ever imagine. For if we allow God to have his perfect way in us, then he will continually fill us with his Holy Spirit, transforming us from the inside out, cleansing, renewing, and empowering us to live life more abundantly. We will never be alone again. We can cast all our fears and anxieties onto our Lord, who will never leave us nor forsake us. And whenever we feel weak, we can rest secure in the strength of our God, whose power is made perfect in weakness. I came across a delightful little story within a story recently. It described a game some little children often played just before getting into bed. In her book, The Hawk and the Dove, the author Penelope Wilcock writes, They prayed the Lord's Prayer, and Mother blessed them, and then it was time for the game. What does the elephant say? asked Mother. Triumph! Triumph! they shouted, brandishing their arms as trunks and stamping around the bedroom. And what is the only thing an elephant is afraid of? she said. A mousy, they cried all together. And what does the mousy say? Weakness, 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 they squeaked, scrabbling about with tiny steps and twitching noses, their hands gathered up like little claws. So, who is the stronger, the elephant or the mousy, mother asked. The mousy, they shouted again. And the elephant trumpets triumph, but the mousy says, weakness, 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 until they fell about laughing. Nearly every night they played this game. Mother said they needed to learn while they were still young that the two words belonged together. We must not be afraid of embracing our weakness and kneeling in submission to our Lord. For he has promised to raise up his humble servants to sit with him in his heavenly glory. Next slide, please. Jesus has shown us the perfect way of love. In verse 32, Jesus said, I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. 
the Lord says, they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Our God has made a new covenant with his people by the death and resurrection of Christ, a covenant that can never be broken, for God's love endures forever. His mercies are new every morning, and death has been swallowed up in victory. Despite all it cost him, Jesus, the Son of God and Son of Man, chose to draw people to himself from every nation, not by using force, but by offering up his life. So we can draw near to God and kneel before him, not overcome with fear, but overflowing with love and adoration for all he has done for us. As we offer our lives in worship, let us echo the words spoken by those Greeks nearly 2,000 years ago. Sir, we would see Jesus. <laughs>